This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. This is fascinating. We brought this up on the show yesterday. I love it. I love it when billionaires lob grenades and other billionaires making sports more fun. And I don't know how much this is going to actually ruffle the feathers of people inside the Target Center facility, but I don't think Glenn even like checks the internet, so it's going to be on Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez to get offended by this. Glenn called these guys. Well, I don't think so he Glenn's does. Like, Glenn talk to the I'm kid good. though. Does Glenn talk to Josh Cronky or does he just talk to old Stan Cronky? Glenn's going to say, "Look, I was above board here, Stanny, Stanny boy." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. So let's. That's a good point. What do you? What are you guys mad at? You know, we went, we went through all the proper channels around here to steal your guy and double his paycheck. By the way, this is Mackie and Judd Daily, Minnesota Sports Entertainment Therapy Speculation. We're going to, with the Twins playing the Yankees this week, later in the show, and on the Score North YouTube channel, we're going to talk to a Talkin' Jake, co-host of the number one baseball podcast in America, Talkin' Baseball and Talkin' Yanks as well. Get his perspective on uh, which Yankees beat down over the Twins is his favorite go-to memory when he's feeling down as a Yankees fan. But uh, here's the write-up. I'm getting this from a Star Tribune recap of some comments from Josh Kroenke, one of the uh, the family owners of the Denver Nuggets. And he's not very happy about the way things went down and the way that Tim Connolly left the Denver Nuggets for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He said... He didn't know exactly what the Timberwolves had offered Connolly, even invoking the phrase phantom equity condescendingly, but intimated there was some type of bonus scheme. Regardless of what it was, Kroenke said the Nuggets aren't a startup organization that would offer such incentives. I mean, the Wolves aren't a startup either, but okay, I get it. they're, they're, They're bad and they're embarrassing historically, but they are not a startup. Quote, ultimately, when you go to a stratosphere that some clubs, you say some desperate clubs are willing to go to, there's a tier out there that just kind of doesn't make sense, Kroenke said, when it comes to compensation for Pobos. These aren't quite fighting words, but they seem pretty intentional. The Star Tribune writes, Kroenke twice used the word desperate and described the Wolves' initial approach of Connolly as going through the side door. Sports Illustrated had another interesting Kroenke quote. I felt that we made a very competitive offer that would have allowed him to feel good about staying in Denver. And ultimately, he felt that some of the upside there on the back end through some of the bonus schemes were probably too good to pass up for his family. What do you think of Josh Kroenke calling the Timberwolves desperate and using the word scheme and side door for how they wound up coaxing Ben Connolly? So I think uh, because I have not. What did I say? Ben Connolly? Ben Connolly. I've been calling him Kevin. Conley. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Conley. Conley. I've been Kevin calling him Conley. E from Entourage. I was like, I, I can't get it out. I can't, can't do it yet. I can Tim, see that. Tim Conley. Tim Sorry. Conley. Um, I believe, and full full credit here to our guy, Darren Doogie Wolfson of Scoop fame, because uh, 
Darren told us this a couple weeks ago, and he clearly hit a home run here. This is all about one thing, the equity, right? And, and I'll go back to what we talked about last week. When in the press conference on Tuesday, when Dukes asked Conley about that, that was when everyone got sort of like nervous and then Glenn grabbed the mic and said, everyone's got bonuses, which is just utter crap. Like that's just, he's full of crap. It's a there, bonus structure. It's a, bonus. Does no, well. it's not. a lot of people have bonus we do structures. Well. That, he does well. Yeah. That's exactly, that's crap. Okay. Dukes hit on this <laughs> and, and Dukes told us flat out that he told us the rest of the league is mad. So this is the problem. The problem is that in Conley's contract, much to the Wolves dismay because they're trying to to keep this quiet. There is clearly the, the tipping point here is not, I don't think the contract, I don't think it's like the years. I don't think it's the salary for Tim Conley. I think it is the thing that, that is why he came here. Phil is directly related to promises of equity in the team, which even a very, very small is a huge, uh, financial boon potentially. So to Doogie's credit, I think he hit on why Cronky's mad. I think the rest of the league is mad because this sets an interesting precedent of, I think you are really good and I am willing to pay you with a small piece of my franchise to which is why Cronky says desperate, which the wolves are, but A-Rod and Laurie don't care. So I, I and I, I think that I, I, I should probably be careful what I say here because I don't I haven't done enough backgrounding on this, but I think you can't actually have ownership stake unless you buy into the franchise and he's not. So you can't just say, oh, we like this guy. Here's one percent of the franchise. I think you have to actually buy into the franchise if you want that that scratch, so to speak. But is there a way where they could and I'm yep. just spitballing here. Could they yes. have said, yes. hey, you know, the franchise value, if the franchise value goes up, however, they would determine that. I doubt if they're using Forbes, but if the franchise value goes up from one point five five billion to one point eight billion because we've built a perennial contender in the Western Conference, then you get to ride that wave with some sort of bonus structure like like in radio, for instance, it's very common that. You know, if you hit top five in your demographic, men 25 to 54, that means that the company's bringing in a lot of revenue because you're top five. And then you get some sort of bonus, you know, check or whatever. Like, I don't know how they're if it's revenue based or if I doubt if it's just tied to wins and losses. It sounds like it's tied to the value of the franchise in some way or some sort of revenue, because it sounds like it's more of a financial thing than a wins and losses incentive. But clearly they tied them in somehow. I love this. Play the sounder. I think. I think I got it. Which sounder? I literally have Reckless a page speculation. of six. Okay. Reckless speculation sounder. I think I got it. Reckless speculation. So Glenn grabs the mic, right? It's a boner structure. Everyone's got a boner structure. What if it's this? I think I got it, boys. What would make perfect sense is this. The wolves start to win. The wolves get good, which I know sounds really weird, but it's plausible now, right? The wolves get good. I I guarantee you this. Tim Conley's equity is in approval of a new building. That's what it's going to be. Think about it. It makes perfect sense. Hmm. If the Wolves get good enough to get a building, their value skyrockets. Like, skyrockets. It would make perfect sense where if they win enough to get a building, that Tim Conley would be a 
would be one of the primary beneficiaries because that would mean mm. that he continued to build the team. Because I think how would you end- tie a bonus to a to a an arena though? It would just wouldn't it just be a revenue? If we hit this level of revenue, yeah. then you it, get uh, some sort of okay. percentage of. I'll give you know. a for instance without naming names. There might have been somebody involved with the Vikings who had a $1 million bonus paid to him when U.S. Bank Stadium was approved. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I, but I don't want to give out names. I don't want to give out specifics, and I won't do that. Tavares Jackson. I won't break, break, yeah. break confidences that Brett Favre received Brett Favre. That was Brett um, Favre, yes. Uh, but that being said, <laughs> look, there are ways, business-wise, as we all know, to get very creative right but I'm, I'm just going back to i don't think that the rest of the league and cronky young cronky here are upset because conley left for a salary i think that there's more to to this but a new building makes the most sense to tie bonuses to to say if we get this everyone's going to benefit yeah and let's 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 close the book on the cronkies here for a second because so this was josh cronky who i believe isn't he the son of stan cronky he's a he's a, he's a next generation cronky I want to I want to verify that real quick because Stan is I mean Stan literally owns Stan owns the Rams I think Stan owns a bunch of other Walmart, franchises right? around that's the Walmart family so he's married right. to Ann Walton y- yes yes but Josh is um, yes Josh is forty two years old he's trying to carve his you know sometimes these like second third generation slick ricks that get born into these families you know. I'm, I'm going to make my name known by saying something controversial, right? So together, Stan and Ann from the Walmart family are worth more than $11 billion, okay? So they're worth quite a bit more than Glenn Taylor is worth. And I get that your net worth isn't just liquid cash flow that you can just, like, write checks to people. A lot of it's tied up in assets or companies. You know, if if a company you own is worth X amount, that's part of your net worth, whatever percentage you own, right? So... So I get that it's not all liquid, but the amount of money in question here is in the tens of millions. Even whatever this bonus scheme or structure is, it's not going to pay Connolly a billion dollars. Like we're like we're probably talking about. So he's going to make eight million dollars a year, and then I again I'm just educated guess here. Whatever he would make in a bonus structure or equity is going to be also probably in the tens of millions of dollars range. Nothing that comes close to the worth of that family or the Cronkies. So the Wolves made a better offer. The Cronkies got a little frugal. And they made their decision to not, you know, match the Wolves' offer. Mm-hmm. Go find someone else. And what I find interesting here is if you don't value the head of your operations at 8 to $10 million a year, when, you're, when you own a franchise that's worth $1.5 or $2 billion, then don't you just think that that position is replaceable? I mean, think about the money you pay players. Like you pay Mal- Malik Beasley is going to make two times as much money as the guy that runs the Timberwolves front office. I've always this is always a fascinating thing to me. When 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 Theo Epstein went from the Red Sox to the Cubs ten years ago, and we knew what Theo Epstein was by then. He had won three World Series. He broke the curse in Boston. He was the best front office architect in all the baseball. Mm-hmm. He goes to the Cubs to revive a dormant franchise that hadn't won a World Series in over 100 years. And his base salary was like $4 million. He made less money. There there were like 14 players on that Cubs team in 2011 when he took over that made more money than Theo, including two former twins. Matt Garza, 
and Carlos Silva. But but obviously Theo Epstein is much more important to the success of the Cubs than Carlos Silva or you know, you know Ryan Dempster or whoever else was on that team. So I, I just my grand point here is if you have a guy that can be a great architect of your front office and organization, he is worth a lot of money and probably more money than some of the players on the team. And if the if the Denver Nuggets said, Ah, we don't think so, okay, cool, that's fine. But don't then get salty and call the Timberwolves desperate and and you know what the Timberwolves are kind of desperate, quite frankly, but this was still a great move to bring this dude in. But they're mad because, and I think that the reason why the rest of the league is mad is this probably sets a precedent that they hate, which is to give something that you ordinarily don't give. So again, I I don't think it comes down to years or term of contract. I think it comes down to the things that the Wolves aren't going to talk about, which now which now means if I want to go poach a guy next time, I'm going to be like, how about a little taste of the franchise? We'll do something here. Now, if I'm a Wolves fan, I'm thrilled, and here's why. This is very Mark Cuban-like. Because basically, A-Rod and Lori have violated like the code, right? Behind the scenes of, clearly, we don't ordinarily do this. Yeah, Cuban yeah. doesn't care, right? They don't care. So yes, it's desperate, but it's also refreshing. Because this is the exact type... I mean, I guarantee you, Glenn called the Cronkies to be like, this is not my idea. I'm not doing this. Like... There are codes. It's why there's weird stuff that transpires or does not transpire. And so I guarantee you that this all stems from the fact that the Wolves now are basically going to say, we don't care what your rules are. We want to win basketball well, games. Well, and did, okay, and I'll, I'll ask a, maybe a rhetorical question. Did the Timberwolves do anything against the NBA rules? I don't think so, no. No, I think it, okay. I think it went against the un, the unwritten rules oh, okay. and good for the wolves. So then so then what ground does Denver have to stand on? The wolves within the confines of the NBA's rules. The wolves made a better offer, which is awesome. We've been wanting some of these Minnesota teams to continue to step up and so they made a better offer for a great president of basketball operations. Denver chose not to match the offer. Okay. That's it. You you want to be salty? That's fine, but your fr- it sounds like your franchise, it, it, it probably feels to them like they missed a great window of opportunity with an MVP of the league. They went to the conference finals a couple of years ago. Injuries have, have have derailed them a little bit, but it kind of feels to them like, oh, my gosh, now we got some contract situations coming up. Our Pobo is gone. That's your own mess to clean up at this point. Don't throw stones at the Timberwolves. We're Teflon over here, though. We've been dealing with it for 30 years. Hey, if the Wolves are, go- are go- going to stir up trouble and be fun, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It is. Uh, and I mean, it remains to be seen how well it works out, obviously. And uh, this is a good segue. The draft is coming up, and that'll be the first chance for Connolly to put his stamp on the organization. Uh, before I present you guys with something I find to be interesting, Let's say hello to our friends at Dennis Kirk, helping keep Score North, Mackie and Judd, and Purple Daily churning on a daily basis over the last three years and helping you, if you like to ride during these summer months, Harleys, Indians, Metro Cruisers, sport bikes, whatever you need, helping you with 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, free shipping on orders over $89, and also same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. They ship today, ride more, wait less, with Dennis Kirk. Boys, I want a mock. Mock! It is NBA mock draft season. 
and I have for you a comprehensive first round mock from the ringer. Kevin oh, O'Connor, wow. Kevin O'Connor, not to be confused with Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> oh, I KO, thought they might be KOC doing both jobs. at the ringer. I thought they might be doing both jobs. NBA entertainer, podcaster, and reporter. And I'm, I'm going to spare. I'm not going to go through all these names. Just know that uh, number one, he does have Minnesotan Chet Holmgren going number one to the Orlando Magic to join fellow Minnesotan Jalen Suggs. I love it in that starting lineup. It'd be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But let's make our way down to the 19th overall pick and let's talk about this because this is this is interesting. Okay. TheRinger.com in this mock draft from a couple weeks ago has the Timberwolves selecting from the University of Notre Dame wing player Blake Wesley. I want a mock! Tell me more about Blake okay. Wesley. So Blake Wesley, it's, it's it, he's listed on some publications as six foot five. The ringer has him at six foot three. He's a very lanky six foot three, if that's the case. Nineteen years old. He was a freshman last year. Averaged fifteen points, three assists, four rebounds. Here's the write up. How sure are we about D'Angelo Russell? Be honest. Is he really the starting point guard of a contending team? I like him, but I don't think he's that guy. He'll also be a free agent in 2023. The Wolves should be considering a successor here, possibly even a player who can make D'Lo expendable sooner than later. Wesley isn't necessarily ready yet. He's raw, but he's a bucket getter who has shown a willingness to also be a playmaker. Minnesota is building a roster with a lot of guys who can handle the ball. Wesley is a high upside guard. He's kind of a combo guard, more of a slasher than a point guard, but... He does have good handles. I actually watched a bunch of uh, YouTube videos on him as soon as I saw this mock draft. Very impressed. Wesley is the high upside guard who can develop alongside Anthony Edwards and come off the bench behind D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly for now. He's a slippery ball handler who can get a bucket from anywhere. And the shades of comparisons listed here are Tyler Hero, Jamal Crawford, and Bones Highland, who the Nuggets drafted and was a big-time contributor so that's a Connolly guy there. Um, the pluses, and I'll sum this up because there's a huge write-up here, but he is one of the most athletic players, like just very bouncy, gets to the rim, comes off screens, pretty decent mid-range game, uh, just kind of an energizer bunny player who can make plays for himself and others. The minus is he's a bad shooter. He shot 31% from oh, the field no. and what? 65% from the free throw line. Okay, I'm out. He also wears number zero, which when you watch his game, he kind of reminds you a little bit of like a like a diet Russell Westbrook, just kind of bouncing around and stuff. So can he develop a shot is the question. I'm not taking a bad shooter. No, no, I'm I'm not doing this. I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by this because Anthony Edwards was not a great shooter either and then has become much – you can develop some of that stuff. But yeah, you, but have to, he, you have to be able to determine, okay, is, 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 is this is a totally broken shot or I know. Yeah, like if you're Jared Culver, I, I, I'm tired of that. Uh-uh. So you're out on Blake Wesley. Unless his shot has a fundamental flaw, which can be fixed. Yes, I am not going to take a guy who I'm like, I really can't shoot. No. I will add. So I, I am intrigued by the upside, the explosiveness, et cetera. Uh, he was really bad in the NCAA tournament. He shot 32% from the field in the NCAA tournament. And he missed every three he took. <laughs> he didn't make didn't make a three, and they went kind of didn't they go like three or four games deep? I think Notre Dame made a little run this season. So, but that's I me. Mean, but those are the those are the types of players and prospects that sit there 
when you're not in the lottery. You're not you're not going to be at night. It's not like the NFL where you're at 19 and there and oh, there's the best guard. No, that's or, true. Or oh, there's an, the third edge rusher is still you. there. In the NBA, it's like there might be three franchise changing players, and then there's a bunch of freakishly talented guys, and then there's going to be guy, once you get past the lottery, it's like guys with flaws that need to be fixed, but with upside. But Tim so. Conley, but Tim Conley, part of why he he has some sort of equity or bonus program in the Wolves is because of the fact that we need to have faith that he can find the best available player who can be a long term contributor in the draft. Okay, what if he drafts like Wesley? Are you going to disagree with him? No, because, because he can't if shoot. He or are you going to try? You no, going to trust him? Because if he does, then he probably thinks that there's a flaw in the shot that can be fixed. I'm just tired of guys who can't shoot. But anyway, my point is this: I, I think one of the one of the things that we probably don't discuss enough is how little importance this franchise for years put on the second round. And I know it might not be great, but I mean, you go through it, and and the, the good teams find guys, and like the Wolves would be like, let's sell off a couple of those picks, right? So I, I think part of bringing in a guy like Conley is to find every means available that you possibly can to build your franchise, including the second round of the draft. I'm reading more of the scouting report. It's great. This is a very football-like scouting report. Energetic defender with long arms, often assigned the opponent's best scorer defensively. He's always locked in off the ball to disrupt actions. He's had countless games where it felt like he was the source of inspiration for the team's collective energy. Wow. I'm a heartbeat player. Good transition player, whether off a steal or a rebound, immediately hits the uh, hits go to jumpstart the offense. Without the ball in his hands, he sprints to go ahead. So I'm intrigued. Can they teach a jump shot? You're not just going to have a bunch of guys. Just, you're not going to have a bunch of Steve Kerrs and Ray Allen sitting outside no. the arc. No. Because... I, what I want to be careful of is I don't just want a team full of Malik Beasleys. You know, I need guys that have layers and depth and energy and can play defense and get in passing lanes and stuff. Tim Conley didn't get rich to flub the draft. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no, he did not. There shall be very few mistakes <laughs> from here on out as the Timberwolves ascend to an L-O-B. <laughs> I love it. Love the op- optimistic Judd here. Uh, thanks to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for powering this edition of I Want to Mock. They've been partners with the Timberwolves for a long time, too. If you're a business owner out there, Federated is here to help elevate your business to new heights through risk management tools and resources. And their corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect, four cornerstones that create the foundation for all interactions and decision-making at Federated. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys, we're going to take a pause here. And when we come back on the podcast and on the Score North YouTube channel, we'll catch up with Talking Jake from John Boy Media, Yankees and Twins this week. You feel so good. You stuck to your routine. You've been doing that all season. Right now, you lead the American League with the best batting average. How have you been able to not only be effective, but do it on a consistent basis? I mean, I just prepare my mind and then be positive. And then I just talk to my hitting coach. They come in here and then do my job. And then, and then I just try to do my best there and, and then keep uh, giving energy to my teammates. I love I love those questions. Like, so how are you? Uh, you know, you had three hits today. How do you do it? I think I would just answer by saying I'm a badass. <laughs> I am a I'm a lethal weapon with a bat in my hand 
every single time I uh, I step on the baseball field. You'll notice there's four of us on the screen here on Mackie and Judd today. Mackie, Judd, executive producer, Declan. Uh, the Twins are set to face the Yankees at Target Field, and we are masochists. We like when the Yankees come in here and uh, provide pain for us over the last 20 years. Nobody better to help talk it through than Talking Jake from John Boy Media, Talking Yanks, and the number one baseball podcast in America, Talking Baseball. What's going on, Talking Jake? What's going on, fellas? How we doing? I'm uh, I'm excited, man. I, I I'll let you guys lead, but there's, there's a couple friendly faces on the Twins side now. Uh, Yankee fans still love Gio and Gary, and uh, yeah, kind of like you said, the Twins are. You know, we we get some fun and we usually get some wins. So I, I'll try not to go full heel. I'll try, no, I'll dude. try to I'll try to be no, as you neutral as that. possible. But I'm we are like excited. here's what. This Go is ahead. our sense is that so Declan put a, a graphic up on the Score North uh, Twitter page. I think it's only regular season. The Twins are like 36 and 87 against the Yankees. And then if you do the playoff math, you tack on another two, two and 16. But those two wins are from like 20 years ago. So when you're feeling a little blue and you wake up in the morning just feeling a little bit down, which Twins Yankees playoff beat down do you go to mentally to jumpstart your day? Oh, man. I mean, and. It, in recent history, God, it, it's got to be the 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 Severino. Uh, you know, we we've got our new baby ace on the mound, and here come the twins. And these aren't these aren't your uncle's twins. These are the new twins. This is the Bomba they, Squad, yeah, knocked, the Bomba Squad. Yeah, exactly. They knock Sevy out of the game, and oh my God, we're gonna lose the wild card. And then Didi, no. right back at you. Um, I, I mean, unreal. Uh, unreal that, that for a lot of new Yankee fans or younger Yankee fans, however you want to phrase it, that's one of their like favorite recent memories uh, because, you know, we're, I know Yankee fans were elitist or whatever we are. Uh, you know, I, I got to grow up in the nineties, some special stuff, but we are getting far away from those Yankees. There's a lot of young Yankee fans that they have Oh nine. Some of them don't have Oh nine. You see some ridiculously bad tweets from those people on the internet. Uh, but that's the one that's got to jump to the forefront of my brain, talking Twinkies. As far as the Twins go, uh, in my opinion, you probably give them zero thought because <laughs> you've kicked the crap. Like, like if you're going to go to a good place, right, you're going to go to a Red Sox win where, where you guys beat the Red Sox. You're going to go to a place where there's a team that you actually respect and where you have every right to dismiss the Twins as being a total fraud is this. This franchise in Game 2, 2019, sent an Uber driver, Randy Dobnik, out to face your team, and he was mocked, ridiculed, and bounced around like a rag doll. So, so tell the truth. You don't think about the Twins unless you're facing them, in which case you see them as a speed bump and nothing more. Is that correct? Oh man, I, I lost you guys for most oh. of that question. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was wondering if I didn't uh, set, set up the question. Of, my point is, you don't think about the twins because the twins are are a, a team that, to you guys, is basically a speed bump and nothing more. Is that correct? Here's here's what I'll say. I I love sports. I love all sports. I love the idea and the beauty of it, and the chance that on any given day uh, it can happen. Right? Like you can. 
a starting pitcher could give up line drives and they could be right at the shortstop every time. And, you know, the other team could have one broken bat single and that's a win. The last iteration of the Twins, the Bomba Squad, like you guys said, I gave them the hope. I was like, hey, you guys aren't the old Twins. Like, come on. Like, let's see it. Let's see what you got. And then, yeah, man, they they kind of flunked the dunk. And you're right. Like, I'm at a certain point, you got to say, like, you got to show me something. I can't. I'm not going into October fearing the Twins until they win a series. Like, come on. Dude, They. Ha- this is the crazy thing. And and as you can tell, we're, you know, we've become very salty and uh, uninspired by some of these Minnesota sports failures as well. We try to remind people at least once a week, even during the offseason, the Minnesota Twins have the longest postseason losing streak in North American team sports history. Not losing series, talking Jake. They are 0-18 in their last... 18 playoff games. And so, I don't know, maybe, you know, we come from this sort of inferiority complex, you know, small man sports syndrome. You come from Yankees, New York sports fan. Can you, are, are there any tips you have for us to be more sports confident? These, <laughs> how, how can our teams break through and just win a playoff game for God's sakes in October? I, I think you've come to the right guy. I'm I'm someone that's five foot seven, uh, and up until this part of my life, I, I wouldn't say I was successful. Yet I had a confident air to me. So maybe I can <laughs> I can spit that to Minnesota. Here, here's what I'd say: we're t- we're changing, we're changing. The Timberwolves are fun now. How about that? I mean, the T Wolves have low key been one of the worst sports franchises themselves. Yeah. Not to send, not just sending bow and arrows across. Um, you know, the the Vikings they had a couple years there where they were they were nicer. They were com- competing. They were in the playoffs. Those squads look good. Love some Dalvin Cook. Where it's a new leaf, man. Trevor Plouffe's gone. The curse of Trevor Plouffe is over. <laughs> the, the fun bunch. We are here now. I love it. I love this it. This is not going well. Hey, um, how how surprising is is the Yankees' success? Because it, it felt like you know at some point, at least in twenty one, Boone's job was in jeopardy, and there were certainly some people that that weren't pleased. Just with the starting pitching now, and th- this team, I think they have the best record a third away through the season since the um, M's in two thousand one. How surprising is the fact that this team looks pretty dominant at this point? It's, I don't want to say unbelievable. There's a ton of talent. They are the Yankees. They have the payroll. They have some young guys. Severino came back this year. Uh, There was a recipe for this team to be really good. That being said, we we weren't bought in early. Um, The the Yankees lost a series to the Orioles, uh, and they went to seven and six. And some of their problems look to be the same to last year. And that was a big you know, we, we recorded uh, one of our Talking Yanks podcasts and we had eyes wide open. Like, are, are we lining up for another, I say long summer, and that's obviously in Yankees terms because you know the team is going to be competitive, but it's to what degree. And uh, they have found a new level. Uh, Rizzo, uh, he, he looks more like Anthony Rizzo than he did when he came over to the Yankees last year. He, he kind of had a weird situation. Uh, the pitching is just unreal. It's unreal. Uh, the, the outings they get every night, they had three straight nights where their pitchers were basically perfect. Not not good starts, like perfect through seven innings. So it's, it's tough to lose baseball games when you're doing that. So uh, there's a really good energy around the team. And, 
you know, I was, I was prefacing you guys earlier. I was, you know, we Yankee fans still love Gary and Gio, but uh, unfortunately the Yankees were so right-handed and they were so, uh, I'll say it slow. Uh, you know, I love Gary and Gio, but they, they ain't speed guys. And so they just shuffled that around with Kiner Falefa a little bit. Um, and the, and by the way, Aaron Judge going for the MVP casually uh, is pretty nice to have. So, yeah, uh, we, we didn't see this coming. It, it was kind of like, you know, this team is going to be in the 90 wins probably, but is it 90 on the nose, kind of what they did last year? Or are some things going to click and they can be an upper echelon team? Now they're on pace for, for Looney Tunes stuff. You know, the yeah, and, and Sanchez and Urshela have both been awesome for the Twins. Offense is down until Friday, you know, and – all of a sudden they changed the baseball or something, but offense, we're back to like the mid 1960s offensive outputs here. And so you look at some of the OPS numbers and you say, Oh, that's not very good. But then, Oh, Gary Sanchez actually has an above average OPS relative to the league. So they're, they're bringing, they're bringing good pieces, but that, that whole sequence of, of moves, the twins front office has been really bad the last couple of years at just missteps. Like they've let some great players go for almost nothing. They tried to sign Homer Bailey as a reclamation project and Dylan Bundy, but, the chess that they played to get rid of Josh Donaldson to open up room for Carlos Correa, even if he's a one-year mercenary, um, even if for just like one season it felt like, oh, the Twins, the the Twins made a chess move that was great, and they outsmarted some other front offices. From a Yankee standpoint, losing out on the star shortstops in free agency, picking up Josh Donaldson, but then also having to give up Urshela. And Gary Sanchez, how did that whole sequence of events land for you guys? And what are your thoughts on Josh Donaldson now? Man, some of our best natural content, that that trade happened. We were in Arizona for spring training. Um, and, you know, we were, they announced on the flight to Arizona that baseball was coming back. So we were, like, we were full tilt. We had planned a whole week in Arizona with, like, baseball players and other plans outside of baseball because it was still in a lockout. So, Playing in, lockout's over. Okay, so we're going in hyperdrive, pure chaos. All the signings are starting to happen, and then the the trade drops. And man, it's one of those things that's funny. Uh, it's funny then. It's funny now. You know, being Yankees guys, a lot of people at this company had to be Yankee fans. Uh, you know, we're starting. There's a Reds guy out there. We we've got some more people, but you know, the Reds get the Reds we, guy. We probably. <laughs> Yeah, the Reds, we got Reds guy now. Um, but, you know, we had 25 people out in Arizona, something like that, and I think 20 of them are Yankee fans. And they're real Yankee fans. Like, So that trade drops. And, man, Gary Sanchez, a lot of Yankee fans have spent time defending Gary Sanchez or <laughs> the other side of it. Uh, Gio Urshela, talk about heartstrings, man. The way he plays third base is beautiful. Uh, just his general demeanor. you can He's one of those people you can tell. He's just a fun, bubbly guy. Uh, shares the same birthday with me, Libras, what's up? Um, when it happened, and Kiner Falefa was the shortstop, it was a nervous moment. Uh, it was a nervous moment because this was an all-time free agent shortstop class. I mean, you know, borderline Hall of Famers, all-star guys, Correa just won the Platinum Glove, Trevor Story's got incredible stats, Baez at Everyone, Simeon, it, it, it was insane. And we're the Yankees, right? You know, uh, big, big checks. Who's coming to town? The fact that Kiner Falefa ended up being the shortstop, it was kind of this whoa moment. Like we had thought we'd been building up to a new base of the franchise shortstop. 
So then it's processing Donaldson and where's he at? And he kind of had a reputation of being, I don't in my head, Josh Donaldson was injury prone. Um, we all, so everyone starts digging through the stats and it definitely wasn't a level of injury prone that I should be saying that phrase. You know, he's an older player who had a couple injuries, but he, he ended up playing games and, and the stats were still there. Uh, like you guys are talking about OPS. I mean, some of Josh Donaldson's stats were still there. Uh, and then our final kind of getting over the hump and buying in, cause it's baseball and it's preseason. You're going to buy into your team. You have to, you're signing up for 162 games. Um, one, one of our guys, Dan Rourke, he's a hilarious uh, Yankees follow. He said, with Josh Donaldson, we get the bad guy side of Correa without actually having to bring in Correa. The Yankees kind of needed a tough guy and the bad guy, and Josh Donaldson is that. Now, in light of recent news, not as great, but, you know, kind of the old Josh Donaldson. He's the guy you hate to play against. He plays with piss and vinegar. And the Yankees needed a little bit of that, so – uh, it left us a little bit confused about the infield. I, no one had Josh Donaldson, Kiner Falefa on their bingo card for the Yankees' left side of the infield. But uh, it's working out so far, so you you can't complain. But it was definitely scary when it's like, well, wait, we're we're paying Donaldson 25 mil and Kiner Falefa's the shortstop with the free agents that were out there. Uh, uh, but, hey, turns out they, they were right. On S- Sanchez, too. Um, it feels like he is a guy and, and, you know, your team has had this with guys previously that once he gets, once he got out of that market appears to be far calmer and more like, it feels like the post and the tabloids got to him for sure. How much do you think that became a problem there too? Because I mean, I, I go back to when I was a kid. The Yankees signed a pitcher from the Padres, Ed Whitson, if you recall him. And Whitson was really good and melted down there. Like, he couldn't take it. it feels Sunny, like Sunny Gray. Sunny Gray. Yeah, with, yeah another one. Melted down. Pavano. Uh, it, oh, feels, it feels like Gary Sanchez getting out of that market in particular uh, is probably far happier. I don't think he trusts the press still, but I also think that here it's, you know, it's not that tough. Definitely a, a thousand percent. And it's, it, it's, uh, it all makes sense. Unfortunately, when you put everything in the bucket, uh, him and judge come to rise at the same time. And Gary and judge got compared to each other, which is unreal. Aaron judge is one of the best players in baseball. He, he would win the MVP trophy right now. And he's not just, you know, keeping it in New York a little bit. He's not Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso's awesome. He's a big polar bear that hits home run. Judge is five tools. He steals bases. He plays elite defense. It's everything. So Gary Sanchez getting compared to Aaron Judge was a little bit of a disaster from the start. They should never be compared to. We always used to say, compare Gary Sanchez to other catchers. Uh, When you do that, his offensive stats are off the charts. The defensive stuff is there, and it exists, and it is what it is. That part of it does tie into the Yankees, not just the fan base, the Yankees changed catching coaches a couple times. They changed up his stance. Gary Sanchez has a rocket arm. Uh, it's pretty badass. His framing and receiving and some of the other stuff, I, you know, it's it's a tear ball. Like, there's just no other way to say it. He's out there to hit. Um, but, yeah, Gary, that's why it's one of these weird things. Like, picture Yankee fans or the, 
the the idea of Yankee fans. You know, I, I buttoned up shirt before I got on, but the chain hanging out and yelling at, at Gary Sanchez. Um, <laughs> Yankee fans still love Gary, which, which what does that say about how all of the Gary stuff went down? Uh, it's that he's he's a good dude. He's a really good ball player. And, you know, when, when he left, everyone said, go hit 30 this year, Gary, and go get paid, man, because he's, he's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, has John Sterling figured out a way to uh, to work Kiner Falefa into a home run call? But he hasn't hit a home run yet this season, I see. So we don't even know what John Sterling's Kiner Falefa no. home run call is. And I don't think John Sterling knows either. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a ground, ball, ground ball to the third baseman. <laughs> It'll, he's, he's an absolute treasure. I know for new baseball fans, it, it might be tough to listen to a, an 83-year-old guy on the radio, but he, he is a delight. For me, he's like a twice a month. Uh, it's like mixing up your breakfast or something. Like, you just got to get some Johnster. <laughs> he's like, he's like some, some Fiber One, some Fiber yeah. One cereal in the morning. with <laughs> Literally. A little, a little prune juice. Uh, all right, talking Jake. You can catch him on the number one Apple baseball podcast in America, Talking Baseball, part of John Boy Media and the Talking Yanks podcast. If you're a masochistic Twins fan and you want the Yankees fan perspective, go check that out. Um, and then where else can? What, by the way, people should check out. And I think it's gone viral at this point, but the Yankee, the the John Boy YouTube channel put a video up of uh, the Yankees figuring out what pitches that Tigers pitcher was throwing out of the stretch the other day. That was incredible. My God. Yeah, it's uh, the that's I'm, Jim gets all the credit on that. I mean, the some some of the pitch tipping stuff. Uh, you know, if you're a baseball fan, it it strikes a chord in you that you got to check it out. Um, I mean, all the breakdowns are great. We we do silly stuff. We do a show called The Weekly Dumb that, you know, the it it's in the title. Uh, if you're looking to lose eight minutes of your life, uh, it, but have a couple laughs along the way. And yeah, man, all, all our baseball stuff, we, uh, you know, we're, we're not necessarily good at peacocking. We don't like shouting from the clouds. We're number one or things like that. But uh, we, we really believe in our baseball stuff. And now Trevor Plouffe, uh, Minnesota's first prince, he does, uh, he's on Talking Baseball, and he does baseball today with Chris Rose, which, which is really good. I mean, Chris Rose is, we, we always laugh because he's, he's a professional, and like a lot of our stuff isn't, but he, uh, he, he's so good. So, yeah, our, our baseball stuff, we, uh, we got it. Love it, man. Thanks for coming on. Talking Jake, great stuff, dude. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Good luck against whoever the hell the Twins are going to throw out that Yankees lineup over the next three days. We don't know who's pitching yet, but damn it. GBD, man, it's tough. Good, good freaking luck. Um, all right, boys, let's get into TV. our let's get into our uh, weekly pecking order here. Twins, Yankees related, and Declan presented by our friends at Aquaside. Yes, yes, I was uh, I was driving around uh, last weekend and a couple weekends ago when I was in Shell Lake, Wisconsin, Phil, and I noticed that uh, Shell Lake is an Aquaside Lake. I don't see any lake weeds. I don't see any algae down at the bottom of that lake. Uh, bottom of that lake, and that's because Aquaside and their Aquaside pellets have helped remove all that weed and algae. Uh, go check them out. They're at Aquaside.com. Their products are, are safe. They're also registered with the EPA and the DNR. If you want that nice lake experience, or if you get a nice pond in your property, go give uh, my friends at Aquaside a call. Aquaside.com to learn more. All right, boys. The pecking order is not for the faint of heart. 
this week. It is the top five Twins-Yankees playoff moments that depressed me the most. It's actually bottom five. Yeah, technically this would be it a bottom five It wouldn't be the list. top five. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. But let's hear it. There's more than five because, again, the Twins are 2-16 and 16 over six playoff series against the Yankees since 2003. Let's consider this sort of an exorcism, a purging of Twins-Yankees negativity here going into a crucial three-game set at Target Field. We'll start with number five. Again, these are the five most depressing Twins-Yankees playoff moments in my eyes. Number five, the Twins running Randy Dobnak out at Yankee Stadium in a playoff game. And they were chanting, Uber driver, at this poor guy. I was there. I was intimidated. So you can only imagine how the man standing in the middle of the diamond felt. Yeah, it did not go well for him. Crooked numbers all over the place. And uh, he really hasn't ever recovered from it. Right? I mean, did he bounce back for a little bit maybe in 2020? I think it left a lasting impression, if that's what you're trying to say. I would agree with that. And then, But he, he did get a contract in there at some point. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it just it's all kind of been downhill since then for the Dauber, unfortunately. Number four, Nick Punto's base running blunder in game three of the 2009 ALDS. Good one. In fact, the 2009 ALDS actually represents most of the things on this list. So if you remember, the Twins were down already 2-0 in the series for reasons which we'll get to later in this list. But they're, like, they're, they're toe-to-toe. They're fighting. They know they belong. They're, they were the hottest team down the stretch in September. They were down 2-1 to in the eighth inning at home at the Metrodome. And Nick Punto doubles to start the inning off Phil Hughes, who later became a twin. Denard Spann then reaches on an infield single, I think it was up the middle, if I recall correctly, but it didn't go all the way through. Nick Punto thought the ball went through to the outfield, and so he rounded third base hard. Of course, there was a stop sign, I'm sure, because you know third base coach isn't waving him home, but he rounded hard. The throw comes in behind him, and he can't get back to the bag in time. He gets tagged out, and the rally comes to an end. They would have had, I believe, runners on second and third with nobody out and the heart of the order coming up. Instead, there was one out runner on second base, and a huge buzzkill vibe inside the stadium. Didn't Gordo go nuts? Yes, yes, he did. Oh, God. No, 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 melted, no. melted down. Gordo never melted down. Him. It was so bad. I remember, God, as a young part-timer, I, was ho- I think I was hosting a weekend twin show on The Fan <laughs> at the time, and I was in that clubhouse, and I remember asking Nick Punto a couple of questions just like for post-game audio, and he wore it, man. Like, he 100% owned it, just... Just felt terrible, and teammates are coming up to console him, but like, the series was over. So, all right, number three on the list. Oh, this is painful. Alex Rodriguez getting the best of Joe Nathan twice. People people forget about the second one. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, it's like the most notable one is the 2009. You know, Twins were this was game two, I believe, of 2009. Twins took a 3-1 lead into the ninth inning, and then A-Rod hits a two-run bomb to right center field to tie the game. And then more things ensued in extra innings, which we'll get to. But that was 2000. But if you go back to 2004, the Twins are up 1-0 in the series, game two. Chance to go up 2-0, and the Twins take a one-run lead into the bottom of the 12th. So they score on the top of the 12th. Mm-hmm. 
They're just three outs away from a freaking 2-0 series lead on the Yankees here. And Joe Nathan, you could argue that this was less on Joe Nathan, more on Ron Gardner. Joe Nathan comes out for his third inning of work in this game because he started in the 10th inning. And so he's up to like 50 pitches, which is unprecedented for him. He walks Cairo and Jeter and then gives up a double to Alex Rodriguez to tie the game and a sack fly to Hideki Matsui to win the game. And that was a wrap. Series tied at one. Twins haven't won a playoff game since. Somewhere there has to be a happy medium between Guardy and Rockham. Where you just you just leave. Well, Guardy used to pull starting pitchers pretty early too. Like okay, for the but I'm just saying. But I'm just saying. Imagine sending a guy who's a closer out for you sent your closer out for three in 1977. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I'd like to know who the other the options were at that point. Pitch three innings. True. You know, do you do you trust? Inferior fourth guy off the off the bench in the bullpen or Joe Nathan. I, it's it's tough. You know, you ride your your best pitchers, but right because if they would have if they would have pulled Joe Nathan, I actually know if they would have pulled him after two innings, I think people would have said, yeah, well, he pitched two innings, he can't go anymore. So maybe there wouldn't have been second guessing. All right, number two on my list: most depressing Twins Yankees playoff moments. Brian Dunsing starting Game Three at Yankee Stadium in the 2010 ALDS. <laughs> You knew that game was over before it started, and I love Brian Dunsing, one of my favorite players I ever covered, one of the nicest human beings on the planet, but that was not the spot to to run him out. Dominic or that worse? Dominic, right? Boy. Very similar cases, like a couple of guys who didn't have electric stuff that were just kind of, you know, trying to locate and keep the ball down in the zone. Right. They're both very similar. You're just, you're, I guess in the case of Dunsing, well, no, let's go back to that 2019 one. Yep. No, th- these are parallels, dude. In okay. both seasons, they had a chance to trade for a starting pitcher at the deadline, and they didn't. Well, in 19, keep in mind, they actually held o- Odorizzi back for game three yeah, to start here. That was, so it's yeah. like they could have started him there. Yeah. And and they're they're like, no, the home game, we got to get Jake out there. It's like, you're sure you don't want to get Jake out there instead of Randy Dominic. So that's where I found fault with now, that 2019 decision. And and Big Mike Pineda was supposed to start. I'm trying to think of 2010. Liriano and Pavano started the first two games. Was Baker hurt? I'm just trying to trying to think of why Dunsing even started game three, but he did, and it didn't go well. They got they fell down like six nothing pretty early. Mm-hmm. And number one, the most depressing Twins Yankees playoff moment. Joe Mauer's what should have been double down the left field line ruled foul inexplicably by Phil Cuzzy in game two, extra innings 2009. Yeah. So in the bottom of the ninth inning, again, Twins were up here, chance to even the series at one game apiece, and Mark Teixeira hits a two-run bomb to tie the game at three. I think that was off Joe Nathan. Uh, or maybe, no, no, maybe it was off some, I uh, can't remember. Mark, But Mark Teixeira hits a, hits a homer. Mm-hmm. So uh, three to three going into the eleventh inning, Joe Mara walks up to the plate, laces a one-one pitch right down the left field line. Phil, so they have like extra umpires in these games, right? Phil mm-hmm. Cuzzy is—he's just staring right. He's got one job, yeah. one job, and he's staring at it. Iconic photo of the ball clearly hitting a foot inside the line, not yep. even like chalk, like a foot inside the line, and he's just got hands on knees, staring right down the line, signaling foul, just. And no, of course, there's no reviews at the time. You know, today that would I think it would be reviewable today, right? Yes, in today's game, that's reviewable. And so you'd put him on second base. And so Joe Mauer wound up reaching first base either via walk or single, but he would have been on second base. 
and the, and the, the next part of the inning, Jason Kubel comes up, singles. Twins would have likely taken at least a 4-3 lead into the bottom half. And then who knows, maybe they still give it up. But just one of the most ridiculous, egregious situations in Twins history. So the Mauer ground rule, or the Mauer double that should have been uh, called a double, but it wasn't. Dunsing starting at Yankee Stadium. A-Rod getting the best of Joe Nathan twice. Nick Punto's base running blunder. And Randy Dobnak starting at Yankee Stadium in 2019. Don't forget to, I think there was the 2000, was it 2017 wildcard game? Where the Twins, top of the first, looked yeah. great, scores some runs. Doge hits a bomb, right? That's what, that's what Jake was talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that was, the, that was like the, the, the pre-Bomba squad. I was wrong. That was the pre-Bomba. It was the yes. early workings of the Bomba squad. Yeah. But but Doge hits the bomb. The Twins look great. Irvin's starting, and then he just absolutely, you know what? Right down his leg. Yeah. So there you go. That's your that's your packing order this week here. The Tuesday packing Thanks for order. doing that, Phil. Yeah, thanks. Great, great idea, Dex. Yeah, you're welcome. Nice idea, Declan. You're thanks welcome. for coming up with that idea. My Negativity. God. I'm really inspired to go watch my Vikings <laughs> practice now. Very exciting after that. Amazing. Yep. So we should let Judd go to Vikings practice. Later on today, we'll hit you on Purple Daily with Judd's minicamp observations. Thanks to Talking Jake for taking time and uh, joining the show with us today. Go, yeah, go check out. Talking Yanks, talking baseball, and uh, John Boy, if you're not already following them on YouTube and social media, they're awesome. It's like making baseball young and fun is sort of their vibe, which is mm-hmm. what Good. I think baseball needs more of. So props to them. And Trevor Plouffe, former twin, is a huge part of that company. So, yeah. All right, boys. We'll see you tomorrow on Mackie and Jet, anyways, for a little write that down and accountability session. See you. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.